Amen. God is good. Isn't God good? Let's pray for our, our day. Oh, God, thank you for your presence here, Lord God. Father, thank you. It makes all the difference, Lord God. Father, thank you, God, that you love us so much, God, to be with us and to call us to be with you, God. Father, that's amazing, Lord God, how much you love us, Lord Jesus. And Father, thank you for those songs we have heard today, God, about who you are, about how you love us, God, how faithful you are, God. They're not just songs, God. They're, they're prayers, Lord God. They're, they're who you are, Lord Jesus. So help us know today, God, not only how much you love us, God, but how much you are there for us, Lord God. So, Father, as your word goes forth today, God, I thank you that by your Holy Spirit, God, let this word reach every soul, every heart, Lord God. Open up hearts and minds, Lord God, Father, to receive what you want us to hear today, God, what you want us to know today, Lord God. And, Father, I, we always pray, God, get me behind the cross, God. Let the only thing that is seen today be you. Let the only words that are heard today are your words, Lord God. And, Holy Spirit, change us. Holy Spirit, by your word, change us, God. Grow us, mature us, God. Help our faith, Lord God. Bring us to the place you want us to be in our walk today, Lord God. Father, thank you. There's no coincidence in the kingdom, God. But you drew us here today, God, for truly such a day as this, such a time as this, God, and such a service as this, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for what you are about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Isn't it amazing sometimes some of the things we go through when we're, we're young, those little tiny things, we, they stay with us. I remember... Years ago, uh, when I was in high school, um, we had a gym class. And uh, in that gym class, yeah, everybody's sitting around, and we're sitting in lines waiting for the teacher to come. So we're just sitting there in lines. And, and I'm sitting there, and I think it's my, my sophomore year or something like that. And uh, a couple of rows in front of me, as we were sitting in the gym there, uh, this one bigger guy was picking on this little guy. And he was slapping him in the back of the head and taking the shirt, pulling him over his head and slapping him. And, and the guy was... The young guy who was getting taken advantage of was a nerd-type guy and kind of chubby and pimples and that. And uh, the guy who was teasing him was kind of like a kind of built guy, big guy. And every day we were in gym class, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he would hit him in the back of the head, put shirt over it, slap him in the face. And I'm watching that. And I'm usually one to, to kind of help the underdog, so I'm watching it and I'm watching it one day, two days, three days, four days. So the next week uh, he's hitting him again in there. So I just go over to him and said, John, stop hitting him. Stop hitting him. And he says, what are you going to do? you going to hit me? And I laid off and I hit him. I hit him. I said, stop hitting him. How, I said, how's it feel? And I hit him in the back of the head. I think it was more of a slap than a punch, but I hit him. He's bleeding. I got in trouble. But he says, I'm going to get this guy after you. And he mentioned this guy's name in, in our school. This guy was a tough guy in our school. I won't mention his name, but I'll just call him Killer for, uh, for, for our story. <laughs> but his name was very similar to that. And so John said, I'm going to get killer after you. You're going to die, Pierre. You're going to die. He's going to get you, killer. He's going to get you. And I'm scared because I know killer. And I know, you know, he's got a reputation in school. One of the typical, absolutely typical, leather jacket, slick back here, stiletto knife, boots, you know, jeans, you know, motorcycle guy. And I'm getting a little scared now because killer's going to kill me. And I'm just a side. I don't want to die. I got my whole life ahead of me. And I'm kind of scared. And so I get a little, little note from Killer, you hit John, so I'm going to kill you, Pierre. And, and I'm scared. I'm a little scared. You know, I, I, I shouldn't have did this. You know, I shouldn't have. But I had to do it because I couldn't tolerate that anymore. I couldn't tolerate that kid getting hit anymore. I had to, had to do something, even at the risk of my own life. So, so we're, we're in band practice one day. And I was in a band. I was always in a band. We're in band practice one day. And who walks in the door into the basement we're playing? Killer. Killer comes in, and I'm going, 
I'm dead. I'm gone. Oh, my. And I got really scared. He's going to kill me and cut me in pieces and do all this. And he walks in, and he, and he looks at me and says, you're in this band? It was called the Starfires. You're, you're in this band? I said, yeah. He said, I love you guys. You guys, we played all the, the oldies, you know, Earth Angel, Earth Angel, da-da-da-da. And <laughs> Pastor Reggie loves that one. But we were saying, and he said, I love you guys. And I'm not going to kill you. Keep playing those songs. I love you. And me and Killer became great friends after that. We did. But it was one of those stories where it stayed to you that sometimes we, we tolerate and get used to what we should never tolerate and get used to. Ever do that? Ever, ever something that so bothers you and just kind of you tolerate it and, and we get used to it and we think it's normal sometimes and we think it's, it's okay just to let it go and we know that maybe we should do something or say something, but we kind of get you, we get desensitized sometimes. That ever happened? One time, you know, you get a little leak in the shower, and at night you get plop, plop, and you think if you handle it, by the end of the fifth hour, you're going to go crazy because that thing is keep dripping and should get up and stop the drip. Sometimes do we get caught in tolerating what we should never tolerate, getting used to what we should never get used to, getting desensitized to what we should never be desensitized to? And that was a lesson for me that I learned, and, I, and that stayed with me most of the days of, of my life. Today, we are, boy, do we live in a dangerous time, don't we? We live in such a, 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 an unbelievably dangerous time. We're, we're, we're a culture in crisis, there's no doubt. A society in trouble. There's almost been like a, a spiritual coup of evil uh, just trying to, to take over. And we see so many things. And uh, there's a picture uh, in the Bible I want to read to the Scripture about where I think we are today. And bear with me because I'm going to build up to something. I think it's a picture of our culture today. It's a picture of what we see today. The things going on in media, the things going on in sexuality, the things going on with uh, all of our, our nation. I want to read this to you in Romans chapter 1. Uh, we should have up on screen verse 21. But I want to read this to you. And it's a, it's a scary scripture if you don't know the Lord. But it's a good picture where I believe we are today. But bear with me. I'm just getting to something here, okay? The Word of God says in Romans chapter 1, right in verse 21, it says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him. Just picture our, our, our society, our culture today. Because all knew they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changing the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, all birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the, the lust of their hearts to, uh, to dishonor their own bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped to serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, and they are whisperers 
backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, in, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful. Wow, what a picture. What a picture. And unfortunately, I see so much of what we're living through today in that. So much of our culture, so much of our society kind of caught up in that. It almost feels like we're living in a post-Christian society. It almost feels like uh, uh, it's such a picture of today. I think for the most part, for the most part, we've always grown up with a basic Judeo-Christian ethic that some things are right and some things are wrong. And I think even though we're imperfect, we tried to, to live up to that, live up to that. But the church has always been the, the pillar and ground of truth. So when we see all these things going on in our culture, when we see all these things happening in our world, what, what do we do? How things have turned against faith and against Christianity. See, no longer is, is, is our faith in this, our society, our culture, just tolerated. Now the, it's a society, the culture is hostile against faith, hostile against Christianity. Not just tolerating it, but now hostile against it. The, the Bible is called a, a harmful book, anti-progressive, extremist, racist, discriminatory, irrelevant. Imagine calling that to our Bible, the Word of God. Imagine that. See, the moral authority has changed. <clears throat> moral authority used to come from this outside into here, but now it changed. Now the source of moral and spiritual authority is self now. No longer is this a source of all moral authority. It's become the issue of self right now. No longer is scripture, but self-fulfillment and human potential. I used to be part of that movement years ago in the early 70s, what they call the human potential movement, that, that you are a God and you have the power to do anything. I got caught up in that stuff in the early 70s about the potential of man, what we can do, that we don't need God, that we can do all these things without God. It's amazing that this world is rejecting the external source of moral authority and now focus within on that. There's something called debauchery, a word you don't hear much, but it really means, and it's so true for today, something to seduce from chastity or virtue, to corrupt by sensuality, to lead away from virtue, extreme indulgence in sexuality. And we see that. I think because of what's been going on, especially in the church, I think because most of the church has been silent and maybe tolerating things we should never tolerate, we kind of lost our seat at the table of influence in our nation, in our world. But we're going to get that back in Jesus' name. So just bear with me for a little bit. I'm just setting the stage here. That What are, what are some things that, that we look in our society today that for the most part, we watch TV, we read newspapers, see magazines, watch news. We see what's going on in our culture. And as a church, not just this church, the church in general, we see what's going on in our culture. We see what's going on in the world. We see things like the indoctrination of children, little babies, into sexuality and sensuality and, and gender choice when they're kindergarten to, to, fi uh, to five, excuse me, to, to seven years old. And sometimes we look at and tolerate things like we see the, uh, the ads for the physical mutilation of young people because of transgenderism. Uh, we, 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 get, we get used to hearing about hormone treatments for, for young children to become the opposite sex. Do we tolerate sometimes we see pictures of drag queens in libraries and, uh, and young children going to drag queen shows and being part of drag queen parties and, and we see that going on all over the place. We see explicit books for children. What's so amazing, there are explicit sexual books for children, kindergarten to first grade, and there was one parent that was reading this book in front of the school board meeting, and the school board president told them to stop because it was too explicit. However, that was a book for children that was in the school. 
And we see those things going on. We see incre increased suicide rates for young people. We see, uh, it's amazing, what we see in TV and movies and commercials about, about same-sex issues and kissing and all those things. We see the big move now to rename child predators and to call them, instead of child predators, to call them minor attracted people. That's how they call it now. And we, we sit back and there's people who want abortion without limits and they call it reproductive health. And, and we sit back and we see all these things going on. And sometimes when we see the things on TV, we see the things that move, sometimes do we get moved to do something or do we get used to seeing that? And just chalk it up and say, well, well, that's the way society is. That, that, you know, that's going to be happening there. And, and we'll go to church and have a good time in church. And, and what happens when we, when we see these things going on? Have we, the church, gotten desensitized? Have we gotten used to seeing these things and just accepted as a normal part of our culture? Do we, do we see that? Or does something rise up inside of us where we say, wait a minute. Wait a second here. That's not right according to God's word. That is not right. And I need to stand somehow for righteousness. And sometimes do we, do we catch ourselves tolerating some of that stuff? Do we catch ourselves accepting some of the debauchery as the norm? We should never, my brothers and sisters, never tolerate the things of evil whether they be in our nation, in our families, in our, in, our, in our situation, in our communities, the things that are not of God, let's never get used to those things. Let's never tolerate them. Let's never be desensitized to those things. There's a time to regain a place at the table of influence in our, in our country, in our world, and all over the place. And I love that there were some people in the Word of God <clears throat> that something rose up inside of them where they saw something going on and, and they could not take it anymore. And they had to do something. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, can we get there? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, right in verse 36, here's a guy named David who saw a situation going on with Goliath and the Philistine armies. <clears throat> and everybody else, every, every, every army guy, every soldier, every captain was taking all this gruff from Goliath. And they were taking all this stuff. And here comes a young boy named David who in his heart said, wait a minute, hold on. That's enough of this garbage going on. And he says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, right in verse 36, he says, talking to Saul, he says, Your servant has killed both the lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. And here's David going, wait a second. This guy is defying the armies of the living God, and you guys are sitting here taking this stuff? See, fear will always immobilize you. Afraid of what will happen will always keep you in your seat. Afraid of what will happen will always silence you. But David did not have a fear of the what-ifs. He didn't have a fear of, of what's going to happen if I step up. In his heart he was saying, hey, enough is enough. Are you going to let this giant to continue to blaspheme God and, and defy this army over here? And you know that's the story. He had to step in and do something, praise God. Because he wasn't going to tolerate it anymore. He wasn't going to tolerate that taunting, that, that, that taunting of evil against God's people. Somebody had to rise up. Somebody had to say, wait a second. I'm not going to take that anymore. Hold on a second. That thing is not of God. So therefore, with God's word, I will come against that thing in the name of Jesus. And here you got Paul in Acts chapter 13. Oh, I love this. You want to get there real fast? Acts chapter 13, right in verse 9. Here's Paul about God's business and God's work. 
And Paul was a mighty man of God, but there was something that happened where he said, hold on a second, enough is enough. In Acts chapter 13, right in verse 9, the Word of God says, and then Saul, who is now called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, when you talk about a source of power, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. This is about a sorcerer named Elimas, who is trying to pervert the ways of God, who is trying to stop Saul, uh, Paul from speaking to the governor, and he tried to get in, in Paul's face. So here's Paul in verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. In other words, looked at that sorcerer named Elimas, looked right in his eyes, eye to eye. And verse 10 he says, and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, <clears throat> and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Oh, I love that. Here's this guy, Elimas, the saucer, trying to get in Paul's face. He's trying to stop Paul from preaching the word of God to speak uh, that this governor would get saved. And he's doing all these things to get in Paul's face. And Paul was patient for a little bit, but there's a point where he said, ho, 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 hold on a second. And he looked intently at him, face to face. And sometimes we have to look at those problems face to face. We can't go around it. We can't avoid it. We can't minimize it. Sometimes in the power of the Holy Spirit, face to face with that situation, face to face with that problem, and stare down in the power of the Holy Ghost that rises up inside of us when we see something that's not of God like that. And Paul went in front of Ellie Master's face, and, and we read it, said, you, you, you son of all deceit, and he became blind with that. And what was Paul saying? I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. I'm not going to tolerate you getting in the way of God's word. I'm not going to tolerate you trying to stop someone that I love, someone in my family, from hearing the word of God. I'm coming against that with the word of God in Jesus' name. And he stood for that. And sometimes we all have a bunch of LA masters in our life, in our family, trying to pervert the word of God, trying to get in the way of maybe loved ones being saved. Trying to get it, we're trying to, to, uh, to keep a, 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 a battle going on with maybe those we love. And sometimes we see that and we tolerate it sometimes. And we make excuses why we can't pray like that, why we can't face the enemy like that. And God says, no, it's a time to, to stop tolerating the things that we should never, ever tolerate. Especially when <clears throat> we have things like LMS trying to stop the word from going on. To come against that in the name of Jesus. Here you got Paul again. In Acts chapter 16, a few pages to the right, <clears throat> here's Paul preaching the word of God, and this young sorcerer girl was getting in the way. And here's Paul, Acts 16, verses 16, it says, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. It sounds good, but it was a mocking thing. And she said for many days, but Paul, greatly annoyed. Oh, thank you, Paul. Greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, look what he's dressing. Said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. In other words, I'm not going to take that taunting. I'm not going to take that. And he addressed that situation. In other words, enough is enough. I've took that for so long, and I'm not going to continue to take it now. Enough is enough. And he addressed that face to face. 
And I love that in Paul, where he was willing to do that. He got annoyed. Sometimes we got to get annoyed at the devil. Sometimes we got to get annoyed at sin. Sometimes we got to get annoyed at sometimes our own lethargy that would keep us sitting back. Sometimes that, that zeal of God wants to flow through us to speak that word of God, to pray, whatever. And sometimes we, we don't get annoyed enough. And I pray that we get annoyed enough, praise God. I pray we get annoyed enough to pray, to do something, praise God, to not tolerate that anymore. And sometimes we get so used to our, the annoying that we stay down. That annoying turns into depression sometimes. And it turns into immobility. No. Paul rose up in his way. And he, and he spoke God's word. So hold on. We're getting to something in a second here. Here's Jesus in Matthew. You know the story. Matthew 21, verses 12 to 14. Here's Jesus in the temple. He walks in the temple. What does he see? People selling stuff. All the merchants. People selling dove, clothes, making money, stuff like that. And all the people needed to be there, the lame, the broken, were, were outside. They couldn't get in. And Christ just got that, such a, 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 a rising indignation. And you know the story. He went in there, overturned the tables. Here is Christ. You, I mean, imagine, imagine physically him turning over table, birds flying, money flying, people going all over the place running, causing chaos, <clears throat> causing trouble in the devil's face, okay? And sometimes it's okay to get in the devil's face and cause chaos, praise God. Why? When it goes according to God's word and his will, praise God. And the word of God says when he threw over those tables, when everybody left, then the lame and the broken came in, praise God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, sometimes we've got to overturn some tables in our life. Sometimes we've got to get a little radical and not just be so okay. Sometimes we get so normal. Sometimes we get, we get so all right. It's like the example I used to use many years ago when it was uh, in, in counseling uh, that a lot of people are, are in pain, emotional pain. A lot of people are going through a lot of stuff. It's kind of like anybody here ever have a headache? Anybody have a headache? And they have a headache right now that we need to pray for it now. It's kind of like when you take a, a headache, and what you do is to remove the headache, you take an aspirin, right? You take an aspirin. And what's your goal? The goal is to take away the pain. See, but there's so much more than that. In my life, I just don't want to take an aspirin, spiritual aspirin, take away the pain. I want to thrive. I want joy. I want well beyond the pain, Lord God. I want peace and all the blessings of God, praise God. And sometimes we settle for just taking away the pain. I'm okay. I don't need to be happy. I don't need to get in a fight with the devil. I just want to take away the pain. And we settle. We settle for that hum of an existence. No high points, no low points. No big battles, no little battles. We're just trying to, trying to get through the best way we can. And God says you're settling for that spiritual aspirin. And God says, I have life abundantly for you. God says, I have joy for you. I have peace for you. I have so much. Don't settle for just getting through. God, I want all, all that you have, Lord God. And it's amazing. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, there's two types of churches that we talk about today. There's what I call the Saul church. When things are going haywire, when things are going all in trouble, there's what I call the Saul church. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, right in verse 2, as the Philistines were attacking, here's Saul, 1 Samuel 14, verse 2, and Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree. Wait a minute. 
the Philistines are here. The Philistines are attacking. You're in a war. You're in a battle. And because Saul was who he was, he so lost the heart of God. He started out great, but because of sin and disobedience, he lost the heart of God. Here he is in the middle of the Philistines all around him. <clears throat> He's sitting on the outskirts under a pomegranate tree. No! Saul, there's a battle going on. <clears throat> the Philistines are, are attacking. Wake up. Get up. Stand on God. And start to get that sword going. But he lost his heart. Well, one of the worst things that could happen to a Christian, when, when we lose our heart, when the air gets taken out of our lungs, when we feel maybe discouraged or, or disappointed, and maybe God didn't move like we wanted him to move, or maybe this happened that we didn't want it to happen, or maybe something happened, didn't happen yet that we do want to happen, and, and all the air, and we find ourselves on the outskirts of faith. We find ourselves on the outskirts of church. We're out there. We're not, we're not involved. We're not in the middle. We're on the outskirts. And we settle for that. And we get used to that. We tolerate that. And all of a sudden, a year goes by, five years go by, ten years go by, and we're in the same place. We're on the outskirts. We're not really in the battle, not really in church, not really serving, not really just giving over all to God. We're We're okay. We're okay. Remember that book in the 70s, I'm okay, you're okay? None of us are okay <laughs> without Christ. And sometimes you find yourself on the outskirts. You find yourself not really in the heat of the battle. You find yourself giving, giving ground to the enemy and just trying to get by the best way you can. See, until the, the Jonathan church shows up. And in 1 Samuel chapter 14 Right in verse 6, here comes the Jonathan church. And Jonathan said to his young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of, these, of the uncircumcised, in other words, the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord for saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go, therefore, I am with you according to your heart. <clears throat> here comes the, the Jonathan church who left the Saul church who now is in John's church, who goes in and sees the garrison over there, and it's only him and his armor bearer. Two guys facing the garrison, maybe 20, 30 guys. I'm not sure where the garrison is. And there's two guys, and they were so sure of the righteousness of God, they were so zealous to win the battle that they said, we're going to attack these guys. If they call us over, we're going to attack them. And they happened to call them over, and the, and, the, and the armor bearer said, hey, and this is who I want with me. Hey, do according to all that's in your heart. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what church is. Do what's in your heart, Pastor Reggie. We're with you. We're with you. In the battles that we face, we're with you, praise God. We're here for you, praise God. And here's Jonathan. He goes and attacks that garrison. He's got two guys. Now, there were no swords at that time. They had to kill a guy to get a sword. They had to throw a rock in his head or something to get a sword. And they attacked that garrison, and they won the day. And you know what's so amazing? When all the Philistines were running because Jonathan and his armor bearer had such a great victory that day by the power and strength of God, it woke up Saul. It woke up all those who were hiding in rocks and hills and valleys. And they all put the kibosh on the Philistines. Why? Because it was the Jonathan church that rose up in the middle of chaos, in the middle of debauchery, in the middle of all the garbage going on. 
It was a Joshua church that rose up. Against the odds? Yes. Two guys. Two guys. Two guys who changed the tide of a nation. Don't tell me God can't use you. Don't tell me God can't use a sold-out soul. Don't tell me you're going to stay in the outskirts and just settle to, to get by. Don't, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear that. All that has been to set up my message for you today. How are we going to change things that we don't tolerate, that we, we, we see, that we get used to, or the, or the country gets desensitized, and, and we see all these things going on, and we want to rise up. There's something in us that wants to rise up, but what do we do? How do we do it? Well, some people can protest. If that's your thing, that's okay. And some people do this politically, that's, that's okay. But I found out one thing. Every physical battle first begins as a spiritual battle. And we have to address the spiritual battles before we address any physical battles. How do we address that? I have the answer for you. Ooh, I have the answer for you. What, what can change a culture? How can a culture change? The only way a culture can change if you change the hearts of the people. Change the hearts of the people. What's the only thing that can change the hearts of people? The power and authority and truth of the word of God, praise God. The stand on God's word. God's word. That's our first weapon. That's our first battle. That, to stand on God's word. The power and authority and truth of God's word. To believe it to live it, to speak it, to use it, praise God, that sword of the Spirit. That's why it's so important that we know God's Word. In Romans chapter 1, right in verse 16, oh, I love this scripture. The Word of God says, as Paul wrote, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. Speak God's word over those things. Believe God's word over those things. Live God's word over those things. Don't try to do it by yourself because we can't. Oh, I thank God for all the other things people do and protests and stuff like that. That's all good and go do that. But first, the only thing that's going to have real power is when you live and believe and trust God's word. That you hold God to his word. God, you said. God, you said, God. For my family, for my church, for my nation, God. God, you said, God. You said, God. I am not ashamed. In other words, there's no hindrance. There's no hindrance to believing and speaking God's word. But do we know God's word to be able to speak it? Sometimes we get so used to settling on the outskirts that we don't even speak God's word anymore. Oh, we say a prayer over dinner. That's good for your, for your chicken dinner, I guess. But God's word is so much more than that. So much more than that. For I am not ashamed. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You know this in verse 4. He says, my speech and my preaching were not with pervasive words of human wisdom. Oh, we see so much of that today. We, so much, we see so much showtime. We so, see so many bells and whistles. We see so many fake stuff. And Paul is saying, it's not with pervasive words of human wisdom. Watch out for human wisdom. Watch out for someone's going to try to sell you some human wisdom right there, the kind of pop psychology stuff that kind of makes sense. I remember a while ago there was a, a lady who left the church, got so mad at me 
got so mad at me. He says, Pastor, we need to do this program here in church uh, to, to combat fear. Say, well, that's good. What, what, what do you got? It was this infomercial at 3 o'clock in the morning on TV about this huckster trying to sell this garbage about, about fear. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. That's pop psychology garbage. That's, that's not. And she got so mad at me. She left the church. Her family left the church. I said, go. I'll see you. Watch out for stuff like that. That pop psychology stuff that seems to be like man's answer, man's wisdom. Because it's not going to work. Why? It's got no power in it. It's got no power in it. Even the best of man's wisdom has no power in it. But Paul continued right. He said, but my, my words were, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Have we forgotten how powerful God is? Have we forgotten, not only for our nation, in our, in our family, have we forgotten how powerful the word of God is, spoken by a, a devoted and faithful, trustworthy believer? There is so much truth in that. And sometimes we have this loaded bazooka and we don't, we don't use it. Why? I don't know. Maybe sometimes we feel the devil has made us feel unworthy. Maybe we feel we're not good enough. devil throw every lie at you to stop you from using the word of God. Don't believe that. Oh, overcome that, Lord God. The power of, of God's word. Demonstration of God's word. And in 1 Thessalonians, it says the gospel is not only in word, but in power and in the spirit. When we speak God's word from faith, from obedience, from devotion to him, when we speak God's word, I expect things to happen. Why? Because I hold God to his word. Because if he said it, he's going to accomplish it. However he does it, he does it. I'm not going to box him in and say he's going to work this way. But I know one thing. If he gave me a promise of God, he's going to fulfill it his way, his time. I bank on that, praise God. I set my life on that. you got to set your life on that too. That he gave you a promise. Do you know his promises? Do you live those promises? Are they bound in your mind? Are they set in your heart? Problem is we don't know the promises. We just try to live sometimes just on, on Sunday morning and the rest of the week, God's out the door. Are you a student of the word? Are you studying the word? Are you knowing the word, reading the word? Trying to get that word deep in your heart so that when that attack comes, when that stuff comes that we should not tolerate or we should not get used to, you got a word from God that you speak over that thing. And that thing's got to bow before the word of God. It's got to bow before the word of God. It's got to. God will answer that his own way. I'm not going to box him in. But I know he's going to work. Well, he said it. He said it. And that's good enough for me. He said it. Hebrews chapter 4. Oh, you know this scripture. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Let us therefore come boldly. Oh, wrong one. I'm sorry. For the word of God is living and powerful. You realize that? It's living. It's not just a book. It's living and sharper than any Two-edged sword, piercing even unto the division of the soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Thank you, Lord. It's alive. Because the word is Jesus. The word is Jesus. His name is called the word of God. Romans 19, 13. He spoke in his writ. He spoke to Paul one time in Acts chapter 18. He said, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not be silent. For I am with you. Do not be, stop being silent. 
over the things that we should not tolerate in our lives, in our families, in, in this world. Don't know that our, our, it's too great. Our greatest weapon is, is God's word. Evil has no power against God's word. The natural word's got to bow to that. My last scripture in Isaiah chapter 55, you know the scripture. Well, I love this. For as the rain comes down, as the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth and brings it forth that it may bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, empty, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it to do. Are you a student of the word? But see, the key is this, my people. It's not just speaking God's word. Excuse me. It's not just speaking God's word. You believe it. You believe it. We're going to get down to the, as we close, we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty round. Do you believe it? Do you believe God's word? Do you believe his promise? See, it boils down to faith. It's not just a matter of speaking the word. A lot of people just speak the word, but there's nothing behind it. Why? There's no faith. I, I don't know if I really believe it. See, if you really believe God, then you've got to believe his word, that he'll accomplish what he sent his word to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I believe, therefore I speak. And Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. We speak because we believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? I don't care what your past has been. I don't care what you've seen or not seen. Starting right now, what do you believe about Almighty God? Are you in this word? Do you know what he says? Do you know that you can hold God to his promise? Do you know that you can hold God to his word? Do you know that the word is so powerful, it created the heavens in Genesis 1, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. He didn't have to say, but he said it, and God said. Why? Showing the power of his word. The word of God says in Romans 4, verse 20, speaking about Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, this is it, that what he had promised he was able to perform. Are you fully convinced that God will be able to perform whatever he promised to you? If you're not, if that faith is wavering, if that faith is shaking, you've got to go before God and we'll pray today, God, help my faith, Lord God. Help me to believe your word over this impossible situation, over this thing that, God, I should not tolerate, Lord God. Let me believe your word. We can hold him to his word. James spoke about that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That effectual, fervent prayer is a prayer of faith, is a prayer of devotion, is a prayer of someone who's fully convinced that God is able to do what he said and allow God to do it. Sometimes we believe that, and God doesn't work as quickly as we want him to, so we lose faith. No! You pray God's word, put it in your hands, and leave it to him, praise God. And keep praying that he'll fulfill that, and he will, praise God, his way. Oh, Psalm 138 says, for you have magnified your word above all your name, God. That's how much he honors his word. Proverbs 3, 3, mercy and truth will not forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Velcro God's word to your heart. Velcro those promises to your heart. And understand one thing. The way out of all this is God's word. The power, beauty, truth of God's word from a believer who believes. Where are you today? Where are you today? What, what do we believe? 
If you're weak in faith, get in that word. Start to change today. Get in that word. Believe that word. Study that word. Know that word. Carry it with you. Because that's where the power lies, praise God, in that word. And for those things that we tolerate, for those things that we get used to, don't get used to some of the problems in our marriages. Don't get used to some of those things. Obey God and speak God's word over your marriage. Speak God's word over your children and believe God that he loves them even more than you do. Speak God's word over our country, over our nation, over our church, praise God. Speak God's word over your spouse. Speak God's word over those babies. Speak God's word with a belief in God, knowing that he's able to perform what he said he would do, praise God. And you believe him. Believe him. Trust him with all of your heart. If you have a time with that, if you have a hard time with that, get on your face. Get on your face before God and say, Lord God, help my faith. Help my faith, Lord God, to believe you, God. Because that's the only way we're going to make it in this world, my people. It's the only way we're going to go through. Help my faith, Lord God. The word has an answer to everything you're going through. Every hurt, every doubt, every brokenness, every pain, sorrow, there's a promise there. There's a word there. Trust him and ask God to help you today. Help my faith, God. Lord, I'm no longer going to tolerate these things in my life that are not of God. I'm no longer going to tolerate the taunting of the devil in my family and my children. I pray God's word around my kids, my marriage, my home, my health, my family, my finances. I pray your word. Know God's word. Know God's word. You come up, Beth, uh, Brittany. Know God's word. And today, my prayer is that we leave a legacy that people see the power of God's word at work in our life. That people see God's word. People see us resisting the things that we should resist. That our children have to see us stand for Christ. Our children have to see us use the word of God, believe the word of God, speak the word of God, and trust the word of God. And we're not going to tolerate what we should never tolerate anymore, praise God. We're not going to do that in Jesus' name. It ends today. It ends today. Lord God, I believe your word, Lord God. I trust your word, Lord Jesus. God, forgive my unbelief. Forgive my doubt. Forgive my sitting on the outskirts sometimes, God, of things, God. Let me be like the Jonathan Church, Lord God. No matter what the odds are, God, I'm going forward, God. And no matter what I see, no matter what people say, no matter what I understand or don't understand or whatever, God, I, I stand on your word, Lord God. And I'm not going to box you in, God, and tell you how you're going to work or what you're going to do here, God. I leave that to you, God. But I know somehow, some way, God, you're going to fulfill that promise to me, Lord God. Lord, open up your word to me. Holy Spirit, draw me to your word. Draw me to your word. God. Let me love your word. Let me, let me crave your word, Lord God. Let me be a student of your word, God, to, to know your word, God, because that battle is facing you right out that door. Right out that door is all hell waiting for you to open the door and go home now and barrage you with all this garbage, all this stuff. But he's going to meet a different person when he leaves out this door today. He's going to meet somebody who's been with Christ, praise God. He's going to meet somebody who's going to stand on God's word, who's going to know God's word, who's going to believe God's word and trust God's word and not take that garbage anymore, praise God. 
So I want to pray for you today. We want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask the leadership to come up, and as we close our service, we want to pray for you. Lord, help me. Lord, help my faith, God, to believe you, God, for what I need to believe you for, Lord God. Father, help my faith in facing what I'm not going to tolerate anymore, Lord God. God, help my faith, Lord God. God, I face this. Lord, I need prayer, God, to go through what I'm going through right now, God. Lord, help me to stand on your word, God. Help me to not tolerate the thing that I've been tolerating, Lord God. Father, help me to pray. But Lord, today, help my faith, God, because I face a battle out there, Lord God. And I'm not going to face it, God, without any, any weapons, God. God, Father, thank you for your word. Draw me to your word, God, and help me in the battles I face right now. If that's you, I simply want you to get up out of your seat right now, line up in the center aisle, and the leadership will pray for you. Just right now, just don't wait for somebody. Get out of your seat right now. Come and pray. Lord, help my faith, God. Help me stand on your word, God. I need to stand on your word for something I'm facing right now, Lord God. My family, my marriage, my finances, God, whatever it may be, Lord God. I'm standing on your word right now, God. So help me to pray, God, and help my faith in Jesus' name. If that's you, just get out of your seat, and we're going to pray today in Jesus' name. And come get a touch from the Lord. Just simply come get a touch from the Lord as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord.